Hello, you're listening to the Grocery Girls podcast. The Grocery Girls is a non-profit organisation focused on inspiring and empowering women in the grocery industry at all stages of their careers. We want to help women realise their full potential, channelling their talent and ambition to seize the opportunities they deserve and carve out a career that works for them. I'm Jo Whitfield, the founder of Grocery Girls and also CEO of Co-op Food. I'm the first female CEO of a major grocery retailer, but it's absolutely my mission to ensure that there's many more of us coming through in the years to come. There are so many amazing, talented and driven women in our industry, and we want to bring you all together to share experiences and to ensure that every one of us reaches our goals. I'm Hester Lonergan, and I'll be your podcast host. Every episode, I'll be interviewing someone working in the grocery industry, from intern to CEO and retailer to supplier. I'll be asking them to share their daily routines, lessons learned and hopes for the future. We'll also be exploring how we adapt and flex to make our professional and personal lives work together, all the while embracing the fast-paced, ever-changing environment of this industry. Well, hello everyone. It certainly has been a long time with no speak. Um, I hope you've been keeping well and enjoying this crazy British pandemic summer. Um, The summer months are always interesting ones in the grocery industry, but I'm sure you'll agree that this year things have been in a league of their own. Um, Our regular listeners of the podcast might have a bone to pick with me, but let me explain myself. So in the last episode that we shared, um, which I published a couple of months back, featuring the amazing Kat Gazzoli, founder and CEO of Piccolo Foods, I told you that our first series was coming to an end and that there'd be one more episode following um, the week after. Well, I tricked you with that one, didn't I? (laughs) Um, No, in truth, uh, we were meant to publish an episode, but actually we decided to keep that final interview and share it with you later on in the summer when it would become really relevant. So in, in that interview, I was fortunate enough to nab Samantha Thomas Berry, who is vice president of European HR at Kellogg Company. I've seen her speak at an event before and immediately I wanted to interview her for this show. Um, she's such a strong and impressive person and in particular her resolve on maintaining a work-life balance is properly inspiring Um, so 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 why did you have to wait so long to share this interview Hester I hear you ask well let me tell you Sam is going to be one of our speakers at the Grocery Girls Festival, our virtual festival starting next month. And we thought it was a great opportunity to keep some content and share it with you when we could talk properly about the event. If you haven't heard about GG Fest, which is our uh, loving hashtag for the festival already, here's the lowdown. We really wanted to bring you something this year, so we've decided to go virtual because we can't go physical. September will mark six months since our world changed and we think it's the right time to be there for you, sharing insight and support as you start asking questions about what the future might look like. We're absolutely delighted that every Friday between the 18th of September and 9th of October, we're bringing you a curated mix of talks, panels and workshops, all tailored to our industry and our needs. We've got some really exciting guests lined up, 
And here's the connection. Sam is one of them. I'll share more info at the end of the episode. Um, and we've got a great shout out from Verity coming too. But for now, let me stop talking and let's get started uh, with the interview with Sam. I hope you enjoy and see you at the end. (laughs) Amazing stuff. Well, welcome to the Grocery Girls podcast, Sam. It's lovely to have you with us. Thank you, Hester. Delighted to be involved. Brilliant. Um, So just so to kick things off, can you please introduce yourself to our audience and tell them a bit about um, what you do and where you work? Absolutely. So my name is Sam Thomas Berry. Um, I work for the Kellogg Company and my role at Kellogg's is I'm the vice president of HR for the region, for Europe. Um, and on a personal level, I'm married to Steve um, we have two children. We have a son uh, age 12 and a daughter who's uh, just eight years old now. Wow. Okay. So uh, living in lockdown must have been fun for you. Before we go on to that, um, I just want to ask you a couple of, couple more bits about your career. So have you been at um, Kellogg's for a long time? How long have you been working there? I have, Hester. I've actually been with Kellogg's for 15 years now which um, which is amazing, really, because initially I, I thought I was going to join just for a few years um, to strengthen my CV and pretty much fell in love with the company and, you know, the people who, who I've had the opportunity to work with and the culture so that the heart of Kellogg's is, is really, you know, why I've stayed with the company for 15 years and I'm really fortunate because I've had the opportunity to do, you know, several different roles uh, over that time. So when I joined the company, I started as HR manager in one of our UK manufacturing plants. Um, then I moved to uh, Manchester Factory, actually at Trafford Park as head of HR. And my my career progressed then, you know, mainly through supply chain so always in HR roles, but supply chain, um, you know, big, big piece of my heart. And then um, back in 2017, so three years ago now, I was promoted into the role that uh, that I do today as, as vice president. And during the 15 years, I think for me, big, big life milestones as well. So I got married to my husband. I've had the two children, so two maternity leaves. And we also moved over and lived in Dublin for three years. So that was a brilliant experience for us as a family. And uh, our little one was actually born over in Dublin. So, uh, you know, again, a, a special a special time for us. Amazing. Um, I'm picking up on something and I don't know whether it's intentional, but I don't know whether you can maybe tell me a little bit about your approach. So I've asked you two questions now in this interview and what's been really brilliant about your answers is that both times you've been careful to bring in both the professional and the personal viewpoint. Um, I don't know whether that says something about how you view your kind of your professional life and your personal life. You're nodding, yeah. <laughs> it does, it does, yeah, it absolutely does. 
So, you know, I, I'm a strong believer in, in work-life integration. So for me, I am a much better leader because I have that work-life integration where for me, the day doesn't start and end. It's not about kind of Kellogg's and families. How do I, how do we, how I be a brilliant mum? Um, you know, a great wife and, and friend and, and daughter, as well as advancing my career. So it is it is one and the same for me. I don't separate my life into, you know, work and home life. And that's been a, a really important thing for me because I don't think that's always been the way. But certainly in the last kind of seven or eight years, uh, that's how I live my life and, and certainly feel much more fulfilled because of it. And was that a conscious choice that you made at some point kind of down the line to start integrating those two and to make a point of speaking about both? Yeah, I think it was actually as as my as I progressed my career and became more senior, when I look back to having Reese, so I was, you know, 30 years of age, um, first child, recently married, and really struggled with how am I going to continue with my career and and be a great mum and balance the two. And equally, from a financial point of view, um, you know, we weren't in a position where I could take a long time off. So I had six months maternity leave. And when I came back, I... I really struggled. So if I could talk to myself now, I would say, you know, you've got to be really kind to yourself. And, you know, for me doing 12 hour days with a six month old baby who wasn't sleeping during the night was was pretty horrendous, to be honest. But I, I felt guilty on both sides. If I wasn't maxing it out in work, I felt like I wasn't doing doing you know, reaching my full potential and, and giving everything that I could. And then equally at home, you know, you you then feel guilty um, because am I, am I not there enough for my child and could I be doing it differently? So I really do uh, love to share my own personal story with people and just encourage them, you know, there's no, there's no right or wrong but you have to find the right balance for you. And it is possible to progress your career and have a family and, you know, still be very much who you are. So I guess that was that was the journey to being intentional about it, Hester. That was so that's so interesting. Um, thank you for sharing. And one of the questions, I actually think um, this came up when I interviewed someone you know, actually, um, Helen Hepworth. Um, we were talking about something similar and um, I was asking whether being able to make those decisions for yourself and kind of stand your ground, whether that's something that comes at a certain time, that comes with a certain amount of experience or whether it's actually important to set those standards for yourself when you start out. Um, and I think, I, I mean, there's probably not a right answer, is there? But I think there's a certain amount of adapting and um, understanding what you want and understanding how you fit in within frameworks before you start, I guess, creating those standards for yourself. But it's tricky because I think you can very easily get 
kind of ingrained in a culture of a business and I think in pretty much every business if you want to you can work 12 hour days you can you know never switch off but at what point are you able to really say okay now I am in a in a position where I'm confident enough to stand my ground and start kind of putting in place the work and life lifestyle balance that I want yeah, I think it's I think it's a great point. And when I look back, um, I actually think that I put all of that pressure on myself personally versus the challenges of doing the job, actually. So, you know, the 12 hours a day was 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 definitely a personal choice. And that was about me proving proving something to myself, which um, in hindsight, you know, pushing myself to the to the extreme was was unnecessary, and I think it's all part of your own kind of learning and development as well. Which is, you know, being clear on what is the right balance for you and your personal circumstances is is really really important because that's the only way that you can be at your best, both professionally and personally, and have the time and space to kind of you know, think creatively and, and be innovative, um, you know, drive an agenda with the right level of energy, as well as having enough, um, enough left for your, for your family, which is, which is really important as well. And is that something that you evaluate regularly? Is that something that's an ongoing thing? So I guess, and I don't want to assume I am yet to have children. Um, but if I do, in fact, at all. Um, <laughs> but if you, um, I assume that when you have children, especially when they're very young, actually, that takes a lot of time. And maybe you want to switch the balance, like sway that pendulum in one direction a bit more. But actually, when your children start to get older, and then when they leave home, if you're still working, maybe you want to maybe that balance shifts and you can reevaluate and you can put more in or you can put things in in different ways that you couldn't at other periods of your life yeah and i think it's about perspective because on you know if you look at my career progression it really has accelerated since having having a family so you know making making the right choices um, for me, there's certain things that I would never sacrifice. So, you know, making sure that I'm there for, for key moments, you know, key activities um, and events with with my with my kids and my family is critically important. So, you know, from a work context that never, you know, that's never an issue. I'm there for family. But but equally, my my job in normal circumstances requires quite a bit of travel so actually, um, what we decided five years ago is that my husband would stay at home because the circumstances for us personally came about that um, we said we'd give it a trial. We'd give it a trial for six months and see how it went. And it actually was the best decision that we've taken as a family. So, you know, my husband's there and, and available and has taken some of the pressure off us having to be, you know, picking up from childcare on the moment, you know, him working night shifts, us being 
very much like ships in the night. Um, so it's given us much more balance as a family. I think, you know, the kids are, you know, much more happier with that, uh, with the setup as well. And that doesn't mean that I don't uh, love to take the kids to school a couple of days a week. That's really important to me as well. And I'm very clear about prioritising that in my calendar when I can, because I think it's important even having a husband at home that that I play, you know, a key role model in, in the kids' day-to-day. Um, but but to your point, it's around perspective. I think it's about, you know, being agile, you know, in, a, in your personal life as well to recognise that there are different phases and uh, and going with that and course correcting where needed, which is something that, that I've found has worked really well. Amazing. Thanks for sharing. Um. Do you know many other women who have husbands or male partners who kind of do do the staying at home and more traditional stereotypical female role? Because it strikes me as something quite, quite, I don't know. I know it's something that definitely is becoming more and more acceptable, but it's still quite interesting to hear about. Yeah, and, and I think I reflect when we when we first moved to Dublin, and we arrived on, um, you know, a, a beautiful housing estate and the neighbours came out to to welcome us. And um, a number of the ladies were describing, you know, we get together, we have social events and coffees and we'd really like to invite you to those, Sam. You know, we, we stay at home and we have very active social lives. And my response was... Um, really appreciate that invite maybe you'd want to invite my husband Steve because he's the one that's uh, at home and not me and uh, the reaction was was still pretty priceless to be honest so I recognize that it's it's um it's not you know the norm for everyone but I would say that certainly um, there are several other of my colleagues um in Kellogg's who are in that situation where you know, their husbands now stay at home or, you know, maybe in a more part-time or consultancy capacity. So it's it's about doing, it's about what's doing, what doing what's right for you, isn't it? Um, and for Steve, you know, for him, it was him getting comfortable with being at the school gates every day. And when people asked him out socially, so what do you do for a living? Um, well, actually, I stay at home and, and support Sam and the kids. That's You've got to be pretty brave and courageous, I think, so uh, to avoid those typical stereotypes that, that exist. But no, I, I'm, I'm proud that we're doing something different and, uh, and making it work. Yeah, no, I think it's an amazing, um, it's amazing dynamic to talk about and share um, because... I guess if I think about the grocery girls and what we are here to do, of course, a massive part of it is about empowering and inspiring women. That is like the 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 core of um, our activity. But kind of sitting above that, there's this element of we want to empower and inspire women because we believe that everyone should be able to do what they're good at and um, kind of choose a path that suits them based on who they are. 
and not whether they're a man or a woman. And actually, we should be empowering men as well to be able to stay at home and support their families and that not to be something that feels a bit odd to speak about. Absolutely. And and I describe it as we are a team. So it's the Thomas Berry team. So I wouldn't be able to do what I do unless I had that support around me and vice versa. So, you know, it is about us making those choices. And, you know, I feel very, very fortunate that my husband is is very relaxed and, and cool about it, to be honest. Um, and starting out, I think I was, you know, I was much more of a career person than than him. But still, when you throw in the dynamics of of kids, then, you, you know, you do have to think about it carefully. And the other one that I would bring to life is you also have to compromise as a couple. So there's no point me um, coming in and expecting the house to be like a palace every day. You know, you've got to like lose some of the standards as well. And that's like a small example because, you know, my husband's a fabulous cook. Um, he's not great at ironing. Um, he's brilliant with the kids. And therefore it's about, okay, so where where is the compromises to be had? Um, because I think if you're expecting perfection on either end you know that that's where the cracks will appear pretty quickly amazing thank you um so we've so i think we've probably been painting a picture of a pre-corona world in a lot of this conversation um but i would love to start talking a little bit about the present situation so when this episode goes live i think we may be towards the end of june um so we're at the beginning of June now so it should things should probably have changed a little bit even more than they have now um but we're out of kind of proper lockdown so how has um if we kind of talk about lock lock the lockdown scenario and um the past few months how has that been for you and your kind of work life integration how's it been going yeah, so I think if I start at the very beginning of this, I mean, it was almost we were very much as a company and, and my team were in, you know, crisis mode. So what is it that we can do to support all of our colleagues? First and foremost, priority being to keep all of our colleagues safe. Um, and I'm delighted to say that throughout this, our, our plants and our supply chain colleagues have continued, uh, you know, making the cereal, the Pringles that that we all love and and have needed. So we were we were really focused on what are all the right things that we need to do. So you know, over communicate. Um, you know, we've designed people portals to house a whole range of content to support our colleagues. We've been very keen to stay connected. So surveys to establish how people are feeling, what they need more or less of, so we can really drive the right action. So in the early stages, work was incredibly um, busy and frenetic. So although I was at home, then, you know, working 
via Skype and video with my team, you know, with my ELT colleagues and the global team, it actually worked really well, really quickly. Um, I think the watch out, which is I'm sure for many is the, there wasn't really an off button. So, you know, the, the, the difference for me was, you know, normally whether I'm traveling or I'm in the office, there is, there is time on the commute home or the travel home just to disconnect. Um, that really wasn't happening and we were working, you know, really intensely. So I went through a period probably kind of after four weeks or so, I felt incredibly tired. So normally I'm kind of up bright and early, but I found that, you know, I needed to set the alarm to get up. I was really, you know, tired. And I think it was on reflection, a little bit of, you know, adrenaline, you know, coming down off, you know, adrenaline and and adjusting because I am an extrovert. So I get a lot of energy from being around others and sometimes being on calls for seven, eight hours a day in in my home office, I wasn't getting, you know, the energy that, that I need to be at my best. I also found in the early days, Hester, that um, it was quite overwhelming with all of the media, you know, Facebook, social media. It was overstimulating me. And, and definitely, I was kind of waking up during the night and just being worried, being worried for friends and family and colleagues. So I did make an intentional choice to pull away from, you know, the overstimulation of all of the, you know, the media that that I, that I was reading at the time. And that definitely helped me. I found that I was much more balanced. You know, I, I, I kind of researched what I needed to. I connected with the team and, you know, focused on, you know, making sure my family was safe and well. So it was a roller coaster, I would say, in those first few weeks with the combination of, you know, lots of stimulation, concern, worry, um, you know, frenetic pace within work, and then also wanting to, to make sure that my family was, you know, was safe and well. And then coming through that, I think you kind of get into this being, you know, the next normal. I'm not sure it's the new normal, but it's the next normal. So getting into a rhythm um, whereby, you know, I would build in times for a little bit of break away from the computer or or exercise. I've really enjoyed getting outdoors um that's helped me significantly just to have a bit of headspace as well so finding the right balance um to sustain the level of pace and resilience needed has uh, has also been a you know another another key phase and now i think pivoting to you know what will be beyond covid and how do we start to think about you know, the, the people returning to office, returning to workplace, um, you know, navigating those those different dynamics is probably, you know, where the focus has shifted to. So um, we were just talking about, um, I really loved kind of, I loved the way that you phrased it. So it's not about the new normal, it's about the next normal. 
And I don't know about you, but I think we're probably going to be going through a fair few phases of this next normal. Um, so what do you see happening kind of what do you see the next next normal looking like yeah I think I think the next normal is definitely considering you know what will um you know what will work be like in the near term so you know the office environment you know making sure that we have an environment that keeps everyone um, you know, safe and, and protected first and foremost, but but also the dynamic around that, because we are, we are humans, we love interaction. So how are we going to set that up um, to maximum effect? But I also think that we have really accelerated, I think all companies have accelerated the fact that we have proven that we can run companies virtually, successfully, so what is what is the thinking on remote working? So having a much more flexible approach to, you know, not needing to be in an office to to do a great job, you know, and and finding the right flexibility and choice that works for for everyone. So I I, I think that's a big one that's really topical. And I know the survey that we're doing at the moment um, within Kellogg's Europe is to really understand where people are at and what their thoughts and, and feelings and concerns are around that. And then it's difficult to say, isn't it, you know, when we think beyond that, because, of course, as an organisation, we're thinking, you know, 2021 and beyond. And what are the implications for us all as consumers as well? So there's a real curiosity um, to try and work that through because that'll be, you know, critically important in terms of our business planning and, uh, you know, from my perspective, how we support our our people to be at their best, um, adjusting to the next normals as the situation arises. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, and I think, I guess, I'm I'm completely in the business of looking for silver linings. It's one of my favourite things to do. And I think, um, obviously, there's been so much about, really, 2020, this whole, this whole period that's been really tough. And not to minimise um, the difficulties that many people have gone through um, because of this situation. But at the same time, when we talk about a work context, I think... It's been a really, um, almost, it's been a really valuable prompt to get businesses thinking about flexible working and to really push the inclusion agenda um, to, the, to the top level in businesses, um, which is a really good thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I couldn't agree more with you that, you know, not, not to, you know, underestimate or dilute the fact that this has been incredibly difficult time for many I think it has you know really accelerated and enabled us to think through you know inclusion flexible working you know how to do things differently I think you know despite the current environment that would have taken many many years for us to get to this point in, in my opinion yeah yeah and one thing um 
So I, I really loved when you opened the interview and you were talking about kind of both the professional and the personal in one fell swoop and making sure that you brought both into every kind of point of conversation. Um, and I think actually that bringing the personal into the professional sphere is something that would have been even more unusual before this period. And I think that people working from home so much um, in many cases has been a real... Um, a real breakthrough in giving people space to be authentic and giving people space to bring their kind of their outside of work selves into the inside workspace and almost start not not to say that those lines being blurred for everyone is the right thing to do but certainly feel like they have they have but certainly feel like they don't have to have such rigid kind of two different versions of person and they can be more themselves in the workplace. Absolutely. And I, I've loved how real it's made us all as well. So we talk about authenticity, but, you know, being connected on video and, you know, seeing the different dynamics of, you know, family members coming in or dogs barking or, or children, um, you know, interrupting. In some ways, I think it's brought us closer. And, you know, certainly from a Kellogg point of view, we talk about how we feel much smaller and our connectivity uh, has increased even further. Um, there isn't really a hierarchy. So, you know, we're much more connected with how people are feeling. You know, the over-communication point I mentioned earlier you know, people are loving the fact that we're staying closely connected through town halls, informal coffees, and uh, on the social side, you know, quiz nights, and um, virtual bingo, you know, just just doing things both, you know, as a team to be even more effective, but also to connect more on a personal level, I think has um, has really made a massive difference. You know, we, we are in it together and, uh, you know, it feels like an extended family to me, which, uh, which I just love. Is there anything that you've learned about yourself during this period um, that maybe you didn't already know? So it strikes me that that kind of authenticity was something that you were already practising. But is there anything that maybe you, you've noticed or you've acknowledged or you have um, kind of picked up on during this period? I think it's, it's for me, you know, as you touch on authentic being me, being very real, you know, sharing my story is all, always something that I'm really passionate about. And that's, you know, that's my personal brand as a leader. Um, but I've also noticed the importance of doing that even more so in, in the current environment. And, and it's okay not to be okay. And let's not pretend everything's perfect all of the time is really important. The second thing I would say that I've learned is, you know, resilience and how resilient I I am as a person, um, which has been great because, as I say, despite the the different phases, um, fundamentally, you know, being tough and resilient and being focused on doing the right things has has definitely been, you know, a great, a great learning. Um, and I've also learned how much I miss my mum's hugs. I miss, I miss them terribly. 
and you know the Skype is really not cutting it um so you know just emotionally you know you know my mum is is without question the rock of our family so that's been hard as well so just having to adjust to you know not not having the same daily interactions that we would have um that links with the resilient point for me because it is tough and it is hard and we are missing things and therefore you have to dig deep and you know find other ways to to maintain your energy and your strength so you know that's been that's been a learning and i've definitely enjoyed you know the much more kind of time for physical physical activity and getting outdoors i often use the excuse that you know i was always so busy and when I was home, you know, that, that for me was family time. So therefore there was, there wasn't really an opportunity for me to focus on that was the excuse. So I've, um, I've said, you know, no more. Let's capitalize on the fact that I'm not traveling or commuting. Um, and just having it, you know, at least an hour a day for some exercise has been, has been brilliant. And I think that's definitely something I want to keep beyond uh, beyond this scenario that's one of the things isn't it and and that that's brilliant and um yeah so great to hear does it ever and I don't want to put any so any seeds of doubt in your head but this is something that I've been thinking about um does does it ever worry you that actually this period has given you total freedom well not total freedom but it's given you space to work out the kind of life you want to lead and constraints kind of professional constraints will be kind of reinstated does it ever worry you that that balance may be taken away yeah i think it's one that we all need to be really mindful of um because i think we have found a balance which is why for me um, you know, I'm passionate about looking at ways in which we can enable that to continue um, so that we all win both, you know, the company and, and and everyone else. I think the balance will shift, I'm sure, when when we kind of venture into the next normal. And for me, it's again, just pausing and reflecting on how can I be the best version of me? And there's certain things that I need to build into that. Um, so, you know, exercise, family time, you know, finding a way to, to do all of that without, uh, you know, pushing it too far. I think it's an ongoing, Hester. Um, and it's something we all have to continue to prioritise, reframe and, and refocus on to get it right. Yeah, and I guess as we were saying earlier on, it's something that will change and there'll be different versions of what's right for you as, as time moves on and as your as your life changes. Yeah, agree. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much, Sam. This has been so insightful, so interesting. I say this literally, I think, every single time um, I interview someone, but I could go on for hours. There's loads more I could ask you about and get you to share. Um, but for the uh, benefit of keeping our episodes, well, trying to keep our episodes at least within the same kind of time scale, um, I'm going to move on to our quick fire round, if that's okay. Of course. Great. 
So um, two questions for you, and I tend to ask people to be snappy with them, and people are never snappy with them. So try to be snappy, but not a problem if you're not. Okay, are you ready? Okay, question one. Is there anything you've realised you can't do without now that the world has changed? I definitely can't do without um, interacting with family and friends. I have, I have to find a way to do that. Brilliant. And that was pretty snappy, so well done. Um, okay, <laughs> question number two. What's the first thing you're going to do when the world returns to, air quotes, normality? I am going to visit my parents and give them both the biggest, longest hug ever. Oh, well, that's a very lovely and very dutiful answer. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and finally, we would love a recommendation from you. So I believe you have a role model or you've got a couple of role models that you'd like to talk about for our audience. Yeah, so I think on a personal level, you've probably seen the theme coming through. But, you know, my, my parents inspire me uh, every day. They've really enabled me to be, um, you know, who I am today from, you know, growing up on a council estate through to, you know, all the opportunities I have been provided for, huge role models to me and uh, definitely, you know, keep me very firmly grounded in my values and beliefs. And then also another great role model is is Michelle Obama, um, I mean, she just inspires me both from a, you know, career perspective. She's an amazing mum. Her sense of humour, the way she's bold and courageous to put her points across. Uh, yeah, huge inspiration and role model for me. Brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing. And I'm sure... I'm sure, I'm sure, <laughs> don't know what accent I took on just then, but um, yeah, I'm sure many members of our audience will certainly empathise with your second role model. She is a big role model for the Grocery Girls, Michelle Obama. Um, brilliant. Well, it's been so lovely to have you on the show, Sam. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Best of luck with all the different versions of the next normal, and we hope to speak to you very soon. Thank you so much, Hester. Really enjoyed it. Oh, thanks so much to Sam for talking to me and sharing her experiences with our audience, you lovely people. I hope you gained some nuggets of wisdom from that. Um, I know I certainly did. Since I spoke with Sam, which was a couple of months ago, I've been consciously trying to level out my professional and personal uh, perspectives when I speak. And let me tell you, it's definitely easier said than done which makes it even more impressive that Sam manages to do this with such ease. As I said at the beginning of the episode, Sam will be one of our guests at GG Fest. You can see her share her thoughts on why inclusion is everyone's priority on the 9th of October at 10am, alongside other leaders from across the industry. With bite-sized sessions covering things like how role models make us human, networking and the power of connections, seeking new opportunities in an uncertain world, and even a live conversation with Joe Whitfield and our younger generations, we think there's something there to connect all our members and help you put your best feet forward in this weird old world of ours. And now, 
Let's go to Verity, who also has a few words to say on the subject. Hi everyone, it's Verity. I wanted to talk to you about the Grocery Girls Festival, which is going live in a couple of weeks' time, which I hope you have seen across our social media channels and through our blog. We are bringing you eight amazing sessions, which we have tailored to our industry and are all relevant to the issues and opportunities which we are experiencing and feeling. These will be relevant to you now and in the future months to come. But before I say any more, I wanted to express that we have picked our timing carefully for the virtual event as the environment has been so challenging for everyone and we did not want to overload people. But now we have all had some summertime off, we feel a virtual event will be well timed to help with resetting and rebalancing for the future. The events will be relevant to all of our network and community and will help support all generations. So we're really excited to bring this event to you. We hope you are too. If you haven't signed up already, please head on to the website and sign up. Um, and I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who is helping us bring this virtual event together in the background. We're really excited to see you in a couple of weeks time. Thanks Verity. Yes, so for the Grocery Girls Festival, full event information can be found on our website. Check out our blog post that went live last week for the best scoop on things. Um, tickets are available now and we'll be releasing even more information over the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned. Um, we've been selling them really, really quickly um, and really, really well. So if you would like to attend the full festival or you just want to come along to individual sessions, make sure you get involved now to avoid disappointment. I hope that you've had an enjoyable period of time spent listening to me and Verity and Sam Thomas Berry, and hopefully we will be hearing from you, you'll be hearing from us very soon. Have a wonderful rest of your day, wherever you are and whatever time it is. Yeah, and um, speak soon. <laughs> Thanks so much, Verity. And yeah, that is so true. I've seen so many people in hats on Zoom because they've either decided to let it all grow out and as a result have to hide their hair or they've fallen victim of a dodgy DIY cut. Um, yeah, amazing. I can't wait to see the uh, the state of people's hair when they come out of lockdown. If any of our listeners have any particularly interesting photos or stories on this subject, then feel free to share. We would love to see um, what's going on your end. Um, yeah, brilliant stuff. It's been so much fun making this first podcast episode. I really hope that you've enjoyed it and you will be hearing from us very soon. In fact, if you're listening to us on the day of publication, which will be Thursday, we will be sharing a new episode next Thursday. I can't wait and I hope you can't either.